BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Dr. Gina Primetime. Big news in the legal fight today to stop the steal. The headline from Just the News reads like this. Breaking. Texas files lawsuit directly to Supreme Court challenging election results in four states. In the lawsuit, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton argues that Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia made changes to the election rules without legislative consent violating the U.S. Constitution. The lawsuit asks the justices to, inch, uh, to issue rather, a temporary restraining order preventing the states from certifying their presidential electors and asks them to prevent their electors from participating in the Electoral College. More on that coming up. And now we have a fake news alert. Now, if you've watched or read any mainstream media today, you've been told that today is the day that Joe Biden's presidency is signed, sealed, and delivered. It is set in stone that nothing President Trump can do will make a difference now. Like this story from CBS News. The headline reads, states face safe harbor, harbor deadline to certify results, sealing Biden's win, it says. But guess what? That's fake news. There is no December 8th deadline that seals a presidential win, and we have an attorney from the Amistad Project coming up that will break it all down for us. But now it's time to go around the world to our Real America's Voice hosts and contributors. First, to Washington, D.C., where Carrie Sheffield has new polling to report. Go ahead, Carrie. Hey there, Dr. Gina. Yes. We looked at the issue of public trust and the trust in media. Now, our exclusive poll with Justin News and Scott Rasmussen found that there was broken trust, that 43% of respondents to our poll said that media organizations have determined that allegations of voter fraud are not worth investigating, but more than 40% say yes. So you have more people who actually say that the media is not doing their job, that they have predestined and preordained that the looking into allegations of electoral fraud, just not worth it. And just nothing to see here, folks. Um, and so you can see the American people are not really buying this. Um, and by a bigger chunk of the electorate um, than those who say that the media has done its job. Uh, and what's really striking is I, I had a member of the Women for Trump board here on my program this morning. And she said that the issue of uh, Russia collusion, the media was so rapidly aggressive at investigating those claims, claims that were coming out of Hillary Clinton. Uh, and yet they're doing the exact opposite here. They're being lap dogs and puppy dogs, basically, was her take on it. Uh, and also, we talked about the contrast between how the media has treated Stacey Abrams, because down in Georgia, Stacey Abrams lost by more than four times that of the margin been reported by Donald Trump's loss in Georgia. Uh, yet she never conceded, and the media treated her as a folk hero. So, of course, we're going to keep you posted on all of this at justthenews.com. Stay tuned. 
Yes, Carrie, I saw that interview actually this morning with Jesse Jane Duff from Women for Trump. And a great interview, by the way. Thank you so much, Carrie. Now on to our Real America's Voice headquarters in Denver to Jessica Rivera. Jessica, what do you have for us tonight? All right, well, Dr. Gina, the 117th House of Representatives is scheduled to convene for the first time on January 3rd, 2021. Then after that day, they will only have 100 more days of work left for the year. Yes, you heard that right. A little over three months of work for the year. And when you compare this to 2020's calendar, this is a 25% reduction in work days, not to mention the unusual uh, long August recess also planned on the calendar. The month of August is usually a break for the house, but in 2021, it's set for August 2nd to September 17th. This has led to some labeling next year's house the, the least productive or the laziest in our government's history. And just so you understand, in 2018, the House worked 174 days. In 2017, the House worked 192 days. And in 2016, the House worked 131 days. For the average American worker with a two-week vacation a year, there are about 240 work days for the year, and that is with an average annual salary of about $40,000. But a congressman or congresswoman makes $174,000 a year. So 101 workdays with an unusually long summer recess is a bit much for some critics. But Democrat House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer says the schedule is always subject to change. Dr. Gina, others in Congress have come out defending their 2021 schedule by saying there, there are in-session workdays and there are district workdays. But the reality is Congress doesn't have to work on district days. They're only mandated to work while in session. Well, absolutely true, Jessica. Somebody who's married to a former law, who is married to a former lawmaker, to make sure I don't say formerly married to a lawmaker, um, I can tell you that, you know, they do tend to work a lot when they're home too, if they are doing a good job. But unfortunately, many of those days can be chalked up to campaign days because that's the system that we've sort of established here in this country. That all needs to change. You're absolutely right. Thank you again, Jessica. We appreciate you. All right, and moving on now to Michigan, where Tudor Dixon is facing a lockdown up there from Governor Whitmer. Tudor, what's happening there? Thank you, Dr. Gina. Yes, as you know, states are locking down across the country, and Michigan extended their lockdown yesterday. This is what Governor Whitmer had to say. We cannot risk overwhelming our hospitals further, and that's why our hospital systems implored the Department of Health and Human Services to extend the pause. And so we are gonna give it 12 more days. We've made progress during this three week pause. Cases and mobility have started to level off, but there is more work we need to do to protect she now has two lawsuits. She has the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association going after her and saying, okay, if you're locking us down for 12 more days, then we need to see the science behind that. We wanna see the metrics to get us back open. Another lawsuit is coming from Michigan high schools. These are non-public high schools. Parents are involved in this lawsuit two or three Catholic high schools, and then 400 other non-public high schools are going after the state saying, hey, listen, we've already got all of the protocols in place to make sure our students can go back to school and stay healthy. You tell us why that's not good enough. You can see that people in California are very sick of these lockdowns. We saw the video just yesterday of the woman who said, I can't run my restaurant. 
but there are people across the street with the craft services table. Pretty soon, Americans are just going to stand up and fight back and say, we're done with the lockdowns, Dr. Gina. For those listening on our podcast, I feel like I should qualify. That's not our bad audio. That is Governor Whitmer insisting on wearing a scientifically unproven mask that you simply can't hear her through. Perhaps uh, they should use subtitles if they're going to, or an interpreter for podcasts. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, we'll go out to California to a much more reasonable uh, reporter than Governor Whitmer. That would be Ben Burkwam, who is not wearing a mask because he realizes that when you're socially distanced, you don't need a scientifically unproven mask. Ben, thank you for speaking clearly for those who are listening on podcast. Ben, you've been talking to small business owners in California who have been struggling. What are you hearing? Yes, uh, Gina, uh, no mask. I prefer to not breathe my own bacteria. And as you said, they don't do anything to stop the virus from all the evidence that we're seeing. Uh, it's totally insane, especially in a county in the Central Valley. They're going back into lockdown. I got alerts on my phone today telling us that it's, we're going into another shutdown period, a stay at home period. Now, th keep this in mind. There's six million people in the Central Valley. It's wide open. It's a huge geographic area. But yet there's only 657 ICU beds. For that, we are locking down the state. I had a chance to interview a local business owner named uh, Dina th this afternoon or this morning, and here's what she had to say. It's been heartbreaking to see what's happened to our state. The grass is greener on the other side. We pay the most for the least amount here. We're here locked down from the Fuhrer, you know, Newsom right now for 500 deaths in a million people. You know, it's ridiculous, everybody to lose everything month to month it's just gotten really hard and after we had enchanted evening here and he called it a couple days before um, and nobody really came to the event that's when I knew I'd have to shut one of my spaces down so I had to give 30 days notice to my store here that I'm no longer I'm gonna go down to one booth instead of two it's just kind of heartbreaking you know, put your heart and soul and everything you have into it to just have to close up because of Newsom we're a little oasis out here our restaurants are open our shops are open we just need the customers to know that we're here so please shop at us instead of Google we need your money Wow Ben uh, really interesting. you others. hate to see yeah go ahead I'm sorry yeah no, no, I mean, uh, that, I spoke to several other people. Uh, Cal or Clovis, California, we're in the center of the state. They've chosen to stay open while right next door, the city, they actually merged together, Fresno and Clovis. They're just a few, they're, they're, they're literally butt up to each other. Fresno is locked down. So businesses in Fresno are being completely devastated. Even Clovis, though, is because the pandemic of fear that has gripped California. Uh, and it's just, it's a shame because it doesn't have to be this way. All of this fake science, all of this, uh, just it's just over the top uh, arbitrary pickers of winners and losers while Amazon and Costco are having the best year they've ever had small businesses are being destroyed it really is it's devastating another thing I've noticed Ben and I think you and I talked about it when we were together covering uh, the president's rally this weekend is that you know you can order from Amazon and people are resorting to that because if you order from anything else the Postal Service simply doesn't give it priority and you can't get anything in time and so many people are resorting to ordering from Amazon simply out of desperation if you want to buy Christmas you're ordering from Amazon you're sort of relegated to that that is another scary prospect when you think about it
that nobody's really talking about um, except us. But Ben, here's my question. If they can uh, tell us that, you know, because of this point, 0.01 uh, death rate that we're discussing right now um, it, it, uh, with COVID, I'm not saying COVID isn't a serious thing. I had it. It's miserable. It's serious. I've lost good friends to it. Um, every single one of my friends that I've lost to it, by the way, has been put prematurely, in my opinion, on a respirator. So I try to warn viewers, if you don't need to be put on a respirator, don't let them put you on a respirator unless you need to be put on a respirator. Um, but, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, and I want to give that disclaimer, too. I'm just telling you what I've experienced from people. You have to be your own doctor in a lot of ways these days. I purposefully didn't go to the hospital because I never felt like it was worth it to me to go. I was never at the point where I felt like I was truly going to die or, or I, it would have gone in a different circumstance. But COVID is no joke. But here's my question. If the death rate is what it is, um, which is relatively low for even a flu, right? Uh, it's lower than, uh, you know, certainly the death rate from driving a motor vehicle. Um, what else can they ban or change about our lives? Can they say, for example, under a Biden administration that would like us all to be on mass transit anyway, they're going to ban cars because cars are too dangerous. How dare you drive a car, Ben Burkwam, and endanger other people's lives? How insensitive of you to think that you should be in a car killing children? Uh, can they not make that same argument? I'm asking if they can make this argument and impose on the freedom and liberty of Americans, can they not then make that argument? That's the question that's starting to bother me in the back of my mind. And we're not lawyers either. Not Doctors, not lawyers. Just American citizens who know our Constitution asking questions. Yeah, I, I believe, well, first off, I believe what they're doing now is unconstitutional. And thank God we have a 5-4 majority in the Supreme Court now that I believe will rule on many of these cases and say for the, in the future you cannot do these uh, erroneous, uh, arbitrary, uh, and capricious lockdowns that we're seeing across the country. Uh, the, but I, you're right. If this is allowed to stand... Anything can be deemed under a state of emergency. Anything could be uh, considered, uh, you know, viable. I mean, and you're right. I mean, vehicles, if we see the death rates, you can look at so many different issues. Things cause you to die. Life is fatal, ultimately. And if we start going yeah. down that, that trail of, well, if we deem it as unsafe, we can stop you from doing it, then, uh, you know, really, we, it's, it's a slippery slope that we can't stop. And so that's a big concern that a lot of people have. Bottom line, though, people are getting sick of it. And I think uh, you're going to see a mass uprising in states like California and Michigan and other states, especially when you compare. We, I just came from Florida and I was in Georgia and the freedom that you have in Florida, it is so refreshing. Or even here where you can go from city to city and go from communist, the feel of communism to the feel of freedom. People want to be free. And ultimately, that is the beauty of what makes America, America. And I think ultimately people won't put up with it. Ben, I'll tell you what, I can barely do my job fielding the texts that I get every day from people saying, I want to move to Florida. Will you help me? <laughs> it's crazy that I get those literally yeah. dozens per day now. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. People want to be in a free place. I hope the courts will consider the continuity of what governments can do when they decide something is, quote unquote, dangerous um, and how that can impede our liberties. Ben, thank you so much, as always, for your amazing reporting. We always appreciate you. 
Thanks, Coming up, the mainstream media may have forgotten about Biden family corruption, but John Solomon is still hot on the trail, and he is up next. Stick around. More Dr. Gina primetime in just a moment. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. All of this election craziness has been eating up all of our attention, and the mainstream media has been happy to ignore any Biden family corruption. When's the last time you even heard those words put together? But John Solomon has not forgotten, and he is still hot on the trail of the Bidens. John Solomon joins us now. Now, John, before we get to the Bidens, you have some breaking news from justthenews.com. Go ahead with it. We do. Yeah, so two things happened today. First, about a few hours ago, the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has filed a case directly to the Supreme Court saying the state of Texas would like to challenge the election results in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia on the grounds that those states conducted illegal elections by making election changes that their legislatures did not approve of or pass. And so that's a surprise lawsuit. We didn't see that coming. It goes directly to the Supreme Court, skips the lower courts. Uh, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. In the meantime, just moments ago, the United States Supreme Court rejected the Pennsylvania GOP's uh, lawsuit uh, trying to uh, uh, forestall or block the certification of that state's election results. So that's a big loss for Republicans for President Trump. Supreme Court, without any comment, just a single paragraph, said they denied uh, the request for uh, review by the Supreme Court. So uh, uh, two very different developments. Uh, both we're keeping an eye on here at justthenews.com, but significant developments in the election integrity investigation. So now with the, with the Pennsylvania situation, does that mean that's done completely or can that still go higher? Nope, it's, uh, it's finished. It's the uh, last stop for that lawsuit. That lawsuit is now officially dead. And the number of options that the president and his supporters have to get to the Supreme Court is one smaller. Uh, but at the same time, that one shrunk away. Uh, the Texas case just emerged today. We think that one is going to be an interesting one, a state challenging the legality of four other states' elections. Uh, the argument is that Texas feels disenfranchised because they conducted their election according to the Constitution, while these other states created mail-in rules that weren't approved under the terms mm -hmm. that the Constitution requires. And so it's an interesting argument, one we haven't seen yet in this case, and yeah. we'll be keeping a close eye on it. You know, that is interesting, John. Do you suppose this will uh, precipitate uh, perhaps some other states doing similar lawsuits, filing similar lawsuits? For example, the state of Florida, who, you know, really did clean up their election process uh, from years past, as we all sure. know. Um, and, and as a Florida voter, I have to say it is frustrating to me to feel like you know, we did our work. We really worked hard in the state of Florida to make sure that we had a clean and fair election. And, and it seems fair to me that our state might want to sue some other states that we feel like didn't do their job. Yeah, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. We'll be watching to see, you know, states like Tennessee or, or Florida uh, could, could join the lawsuit. 
Uh, but it only takes one to get the matter before the court. And I think the more important thing will be what does the court do? This is an emergency appeal. It's a request for injunctive relief. And uh, it usually re re results in a decision from the Supreme Court pretty quickly. If the Supreme Court were to turn this down, uh, it would really signal to us that these, uh, the justices aren't interested in getting involved in this election as far as we can tell. If they take it, it will be a historic case for certain. Interesting. John, now to the Bidens. You have some new reporting on Hunter Biden's involvement in Burisma, and you've been watching this from the very beginning. What's the latest reporting at JustTheNews.com? Well, this is a, a, a story that resulted from a lawsuit we filed 15, 16 months ago against the State Department, and sadly, they waited until after the November 3rd elections to release this information. It's pretty explosive information. It shows three things. First, that every time Burisma came up inside the State Department, Hunter Biden's name was always thrown in as a warning. Hey, we just found out something about a Burisma. Oh, don't forget, Hunter Biden's on the board. Secondly, uh, it shows that in November of 2016, after Hillary Clinton had lost the election, Donald Trump was the president-elect preparing to take in the White House, the uh, State Department uh, uh, found out that uh, Hunter Biden's business partner, his fellow board member on Burisma, a guy named Devin Archer, had just been indicted on fraud charges. So think about this. You're the State Department. You know the vice president's son, Hunter Biden, is working for an allegedly corrupt uh, Ukrainian gas company. And now you find out he's also in business with a guy that the FBI and the Obama Justice Department just indicted for fraud. And they were, were signaling that they were concerned that the aura around Burisma, Hunter Biden, continued to look bleak and corrupt and Un, uh, unsatisfying. So those are two of the revelations. The third revelation may be the most explosive. It is an email from George Kent. He was the guy that wore the bow tie and was the Democrats' star witness in the impeachment hearings last year. We didn't hear any of this testimony from him last year, but he writes an email in September 2016 saying that the American representatives for Burisma, the American lawyers, a company called Blue Star Strategies, uh, uh, descended upon him and was, this is his words, bullying him uh, uh, criticizing him, trying to get him to change his position. Uh, and he, he wrote to his superiors, in all my years in the Foreign Service, a quarter century in the Foreign Service, I never was treated more aggressively, more rudely. This was a completely inappropriate pressure effort on me. And he reports it up the chain to his supervisors. So what's going on in this time frame is that Burisma has hired this company, Blue Star Strategies, Democratic law firm, while Hunter Biden's on the board, to try to make all the corruption allegations in Ukraine going away. And you have a contemporaneous document from a State Department official saying the campaign, the pressure campaign, basically amounts to bullying, a very dramatic, explosive document that shows you just how much pressure and also how large a conflict of interest the Bidens created for their own State Department. Wow. Well, we'll see if the media outside of us will cover this. I really hope they will, because I think Good this point. is stuff that we're going to need to know going forward for sure. Um, John, another story um, at Just the News is about a Chinese spy that targeted congressmen and other politicians. And she has sexual relationships with some American politicians. Do we know what this spy could have been after and what she could have assessed and uh, accessed, rather, and also um, what impact this could have going forward? Well, uh, it's a pretty a remarkable story. It's in Axios, with, uh, the publication here in Washington that first broke it, uh, and they, they lay out the details as they learned it from intelligence sources. The most interesting person that's on the list uh, as having had contact with this spy 
is Eric Swalwell. Why is that important? Well, he's a very senior leader in the Democratic Party in Congress. But last year, he was running for president. In fact, earlier this year, he ran in the primaries. He eventually lost and dropped out. But to think that we had a Democrat running uh, for president uh, in just a few short months ago who may have been compromised by a Chinese asset uh, is jaw-dropping. And the fact that we're learning about it now and not during the election uh, is, again, another sign of how well the intelligence community keeps the secrets of its favorite politicians. They protect the politicians they want, and they dirty up the other politicians that they don't like. There were no secrets about Donald Trump. There were a lot of fake stories and false stories propagated, and yet the secret about Eric Swalwell managed to stay uh, from us all the way past Election Day. Remarkable. Uh, we're just beginning to get the outlines of the story. This could be a major spy scandal as we, it unravels. We'll have to see how much else is involved in it. Never enough time with John Solomon of Just the News. I want to remark, though, that uh, you can catch his podcast at Just the News. And today, uh, actually yesterday, my podcast just launched. And so you can catch my podcast there as well, Dr. Gina Primetime. And thank you so much, John, for hosting that at your Just the News site. You have some great stuff there. Everybody check it out, justthenews.com. And, John, proud to have keep you up aboard. the good work. Thank you so much. I'm proud to I be will. aboard. <laughs> All right. Now over to the big story in the mainstream media today. If you've been watching the legacy media today, you will have seen a story, uh, in fact, story after story about uh, being something called the safe harbor deadline date. Now, we discussed this a little bit on the show last night, but they say in the legacy media that this is the deadline for states today uh, to certify their election results this year and that the Electoral College will meet the 14th to make it official and that nothing can be done to stop the inevitable Biden presidency. But is this true or is this fake news? Let's ask Tom King. He is special counsel to the Amistad Project, a frequent guest on this show. Tom, what is the safe harbor deadline and why do we keep hearing about this in the media today? Well, the, the safe harbor deadline is set uh, forth in a federal statute. And so it's a date upon which um, the, there is thought to be uh, safety by those states that have named or certified their their. Um, electors to the Electoral College. But um, the Amistad Project has done a white paper um, with respect to this. And uh, we believe that the um, safe harbor date, there's no there's no provision for the safe harbor date in the United States Constitution. So um, there will be an attempt to um, extend out the date um, on which the electors meet. Uh, whether we're successful in that or not, we'll see. But um, it is not a constitutional provision. Um, it's an act that, that certainly um, finds no basis in the Constitution. So the people that want us to believe that uh, this is the end of the line, um, December 8th, safe harbor, um, we, have a, we have a different opinion and we don't think that that's the case. Yes, and I heard the same from the president's own legal team last night on this program. Um, when will we know something on this? When will we have a decision on, on your white paper and your assertion? Well, I think that uh, there will be an, an action filed directly to the United States Supreme Court um, soon um, with respect to this matter. Uh, we, we have an action in Pennsylvania that's filed right now. Um, there was a deadline of four o'clock tonight um, for the uh, governor to respond. Um, he has responded. So we're waiting to see uh, what, what uh, order we might get down from the Commonwealth Court in Pennsylvania, which is a statewide court that has jurisdiction over elections. So um, in Pennsylvania, we are still challenging 
uh, the validity of the governor's certification of the delegates um, to the Electoral College, one of whom happens to be our own attorney general, who also was a candidate for election this year. So um, we're hoping that uh, we can get a court order to reverse that certification as being um, absolutely premature. We have a lot of things in Pennsylvania that happened uh, that were terrible. Um, we also have a lot of things still under investigation, including um, if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen the stories uh, of the, I don't know if you've had him on as a guest, but uh, the drive, the truck driver who drove the uh, almost 200,000 ballots into Pennsylvania from Long Island, New York. Yep. Um, that that matter is um, absolutely under investigation in a number of places, and uh, that that in and of itself would be uh, far in excess of the number of ballots necessary to to uh, change the outcome of Pennsylvania's election. But we had a lot of we had a, a lot, Dr. Gina. I'm sure you know we had a lot of terrible things happen in Pennsylvania, um, not the least of which were the things that were financed by Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg and and uh, and David Plouffe. Um, the former Obama uh, campaign chairman who went to work for Zuckerberg uh, designed um, a lot of bad things that happened here, including all of the drop boxes, um, which had uh, no security. <laughs> they were wide open. Even the mayor of Philadelphia, Kenny, the socialist mayor of, of Philadelphia, was caught trying to put two ballots in. Uh, we had, there were people on video putting numerous ballots in. There were boxes that had absolutely no security. And in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, they had drop boxes that were supposed to have video security, but lo and behold, uh, they were run by solar power, so they didn't work at night. <laughs> so oh, that's wow. Pennsylvania's wow. been a it's it's been a real uh, disappointing year, um, election-wise here. Well, the the state GOP um, did terrific. Uh, the president led uh, led a sweep in the legislature. Um, we elected two, two out of three statewide uh, officers in Pennsylvania. Um, and so that's why it's so equally surprising that the president fell short um, in, the, in the alleged results of this election. Or not. Yes, exactly. Okay, Tom, or also not. today the Texas Attorney yeah, uh, Texas Attorney General filed, of course, a lawsuit directly to the Supreme Court challenging the election results in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia. Um, but, Tom, isn't the Supreme Court usually the final stop for a lawsuit, not the first? Yeah, yes, it's unusual. Um, in our state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, we have a similar um, practice, which goes back to England, and it's called King's Bench. Um, no relation to me, but the uh, King's Bench action is an original action that can be brought in the in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court, following that same tradition, has an original um, complaint that can be brought. It's very rare. Um, it's not you. It's not very ordinarily done. Um, and the Texas um, Attorney General uh, Paxton has done um, really a splendid job of laying out the case for why. Um, people in Texas and other states are being disenfranchised by virtue of what's happened in, in states like Georgia and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, and so uh, I, I believe, um, I have reason to believe that there will be um, other state attorney generals uh, that, that may well join with Texas um, in that mm -hmm. action. Right. It'll be fascinating to watch. Um, it's, it, yeah. You just, you, yeah, you don't see things like this. No, you don't. All right. Well, from now on, when I have you on, I'm going to have to call you King Tom rather than Tom King just because of that comment. So thanks for being with us. We appreciate the work you all are doing there.
Don't call me Tom Wolf, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Coming up, Governor Cuomo in New York says he and Dr. Fauci are like De Niro and Pacino. And I don't think he was joking. That's coming up on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay where you are. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. If you are watching us, don't forget to check out my new podcast at justthenews.com. And if you are listening to us on the podcast, don't forget to check out our show at Real America's Voice, RAV TV, every single night at 7 p.m. Eastern. The fight for Arizona is still raging. The Arizona Republican Party has filed an appeal with the uh, state Supreme Court to challenge the presidential election results. And right now, it's in the hands of the court. So, should we expect good news? Well, here with us now to try and break all this down is Arizona GOP Chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward. Dr. Ward, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Tell us about the appeal that you just filed in the Supreme Court in Arizona and what that could mean to this election. Right. Well, Dr. Gina, thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. Yes, Arizona is in play. This thing is far from over. You, we're watching this play out across the entire nation. In Arizona, we are, we are definitely staying at the table. So we filed an appeal because uh, duplicated signatures and signature verification in Arizona was not able to be observed, at least not effectively, by any kind of partisan observers. In our original case, the judge, Judge Warner, ordered us, he, he said he wanted to err on the side of transparency. So he allowed us so graciously to look at 100 ballots of duplicated ballots and 100 signature envelopes out of 1. You know, 1.9 million and some change. So it was a very, very tiny, tiny sample. And I think he didn't think we'd find anything. We didn't know if we'd find anything. In those 100 ballots, we found two, 2%, which actually translates to 3% for President Trump, because one of the ballots was cast for President Trump and counted for the other guy. One was wow. cast for President Trump and not counted at all. And so we want to look at more of that information. And that's uh, the, the judge just imposed a self-imposed deadline on himself. He decided that he had to be done with the case by December 8th. But there is no such deadline. The only deadline that exists before us right now is January 20th, when Donald J. Trump is sworn back in as the president of the United States, in my opinion. But he self-imposed that. He said, there's just not time to look at anything else. And you only found a tiny amount. Well, there's only a tiny amount separating these two candidates at the top of the ticket. 0.3% separates these candidates in Arizona. And so there is a lot that can make a difference. So we filed with the Supreme Court. They accepted it and we're waiting to hear. We haven't heard anything um, as, of, as of now. We haven't heard anything from the Arizona State Supreme Court. Okay, so... I mean, I guess my concern is, and I know your concern is, that time is of the essence. Um, can they just drag this out to make this, to, to, to make time a problem? I mean, I guess that's the question. Well, yeah, right. go ahead. 
I think so. I think that um, they want to pretend there's some safe harbor where they have to decide something by a certain date. But even Ruth Bader Ginsburg disagreed with that and said it's more important to get it right than to get it fast. And so um, we're going to continue to plod through this process. I'm sure that the Democrats and the opposition and the establishment would love to drag it out until they just say, oh, there's nothing else we can do. Um, but there is a lot that we can do. And so don't get discouraged. Stay, stay positive, stay focused, and know that every single avenue will be explored and will be um be uncovered and be followed to be able to make sure this happens. I will tell you this, um, if, if we had started, you know, three or four weeks ago, looking at the evidence that we have in our possession, because in Arizona, we're really lucky. We've got paper backups, paper ballot backups, but they're uh, in prison, basically in boxes in these elections departments, and no one's allowed to look at them. With this election, there are so many questions. We should be able to look at those paper ballots. We should be able to look at the images that are that are uh, created by software like Dominion. We should be able to look at logs of who was there doing what and when, because all of that exists. What the answer is that we get from those election officials who tell us everything is fine and this is the most secure election of, that, that we've ever had in our life is that um, as long as a judge tells them, then we can look at them. Well, I mean, we they don't work for the judge. They work for us. They work for we the people. We have those backups for a reason, and I want to look at them. Don't blame you at all. I think that uh, the constitutional right, this isn't me opining, this is me, uh, you know, saying I just think that uh, the constitutional right of a citizen should be that you could view those. Uh, Dr. Kelly Ward, we appreciate your efforts on behalf of citizens there. Arizona GOP chairwoman, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Dr. Gina. All right. Now over to New York, where we have some odd behavior going on by the governor there. Imagine that. And here to break it down with us, our good friend and Real America's Voice contributor, Tom Borelli. Tom, good to see you. Governor Cuomo had an odd exchange with Dr. Anthony Fauci. I want to watch this and I want to get your reaction, Tom. I think your voice on saying that the vaccines are safe. Uh, would be important. I said that as soon as uh, the vaccine is deemed ready and safe, I'll be the first one to take a vaccine. Uh, maybe we enlist you. I'll do it with you. We'll do an ad telling New Yorkers it's safe to take the vaccine to, uh, to you know, put us together. We're like the uh, modern day uh, De Niro and Pacino. You can be which whenever, whichever you want. You can be the De Niro or Pacino. <laughs> Fauci I'll and Cuomo, I'll give you a phone. Who, who do you want to be, De Niro or Pacino? Which one do you want I to love be? Them both. <laughs> Tom, I, you know, sometimes I'm just speechless at the, um, the narcissism <laughs> that goes on, the the uh, the ability of the Cuomos themselves to make themselves the story again and again and again. And, and, the, and honestly, the willingness of a media and social media to fall for this hook, line, and sinker. Your take. Perfectly. Governor Cuomo's ego has no bounds. And the anti-Trump media does everything to pump up that ego. And But what's most important, in fact, both those individuals, when you really look at their performance, 
with respect to COVID, it has been absolutely miserable. Remember, Dr. Fauci, he's the head of really our infectious diseases group. He should be the sentinel on the wall to protect us from the pandemic. But he was playing down the pandemic as late as February of this year, where he told USA Today the risk of the COVID virus was minuscule. And then on NBC Today program, he also minimized it by saying that people continue their lifestyles, go to the gyms, whatever they want to do. Meanwhile, President Trump had shut down travel from China. And then we have Governor Cuomo, by the way, who forced COVID positive patients into nursing homes in New York State, and that caused over 6,000 deaths. And he has the arrogance to sit there and really joke to make believe that he's some sort of Hollywood star. It really is disgusting. It really is. And let's not forget that Fauci is also the one who said that cloth masks do no one any good and, in fact, may cause more problems because of the touching of the face and the um, harboring of uh, bacteria and things like that, Um, not to mention the breathing of CO2 and things like that. And then now he's nowhere to be found when all of a sudden we've decided that cloth masks are the um, savior and redeemer of all things COVID. He's nowhere to be found when, we, when, when the media has decided that that is solid science, when Fauci himself, along with the Surgeon General, have said completely otherwise. They're not here to come back and comment on it now, at, at least to even, even ask the questions that seem very logical if you took a biology class in seventh grade. Um, and so you, you look at all of this confusion. Um, you look at what the Cuomos have done, uh, uh, Cuomo himself, especially when you consider the, the deaths of um, our elderly and, and those horrifyingly sad stories. And you think, and there they are joking about themselves being superstars in this of all places, in this of all topics. Tom, there's something completely disrespectful of the American people, don't you think? And I think the problem is really is the media fails to hold them accountable. If anybody else had performed so miserably, both Dr. Fauci and Cuomo, they would have been really run out of their jobs by the immense media pressure. But it doesn't work this way. If you're a Democrat and if you're anti-Trump, you really can literally get away with murder and no one's going to hold you accountable. And I think the other aspect here is Cuomo is now trying to do clean up aisle five with the vaccine. Because you remember before the election, he was saying, well, if Trump develops the vaccine and comes out of Trump administration, he's not going to take it or he's not going to allow uh, New York citizens the ability to get it unless he does another review. Well, now we have a vaccine that the FDA is about close to approving the Pfizer vaccine this week. And there was the first vaccination actually given in the UK. So now they have to clean up and say, oh, vaccinations are going to be great. We have to really keep our eye on these individuals because these people really are dangerous. Well, and as often as their opinions change, pretty much like the wind blows, Tom, I don't know that I'm really ready to listen to their opinions anyway. But Tom Borelli, we always appreciate you uh, bringing these things to our attention and uh, lining them out for us so clearly, as you always do. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, AOC launched a boycott against Goya Foods, and they made her the employee of the month. This story is wild, my friends. Stick around. We're going to tell you all about it right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay with us. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Prime Time. Thanks for being with us. You remember now earlier this year when the CEO of Goya Foods spoke fondly of the president, and that was enough to cause Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to launch a boycott. But thanks to Trump supporters, Goya Foods has had a huge increase in sales. So the CEO of Goya has named AOC the employee of the month. I just think this is the best. Here to discuss our own Amanda Head and the multimedium himself, Alfonso Rachel. So this is one of those beautiful stories. AOC called for a boycott and sales skyrocketed. Uh, just tell us about what happened. Um, well, before I say that, I got to say that I'm jealous. Is th does that really work? I mean, because my stuff has been boycotted for years and I haven't gotten this kind of attention. Day. <laughs> Same, right? This is not fair. <laughs> it's not fair at all. And, it, and these are the people who talk about fairness. And it's, it's amazing how they can be unfair to people while teaching, while, while preaching about fairness. But uh, at any rate, that stuff doesn't seem to work for me. Goya, I'm glad it worked for you. And I've tried some of their food. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad that their stuff is raised by uh, a thousand percent. I could use a little bit more salt in it. I like a little bit more salt and a little bit more flavor in it. But, you know, hey, I'm uh, good on them. I'm glad for them. <laughs> you know, but here's the thing. It was a brilliant, brilliant PR stunt to continue. Because I, I will say, right as soon as the, the boycott happened, and you guys may, and so you may actually remember that I was the founder of the original boycott. You may remember mm. this back in the Tea Party days. So when this boycott mm -hmm. started, I always support a boycott. I ran yeah. out and I bought everything, everything Goya I could possibly find. But I'm oh. going to admit right here now that I haven't bought anything since. Uh, but so to continue their massive profits, this was a brilliant PR stunt to name yes. AOC as the employee of the month, right? Brilliant Classic. on their part. Amanda, yes. will, will, will the left ever learn that conservatives love spending money to stop their leftist boycotts? I, I don't think they will. You know, I, I guess this is nice for her that her name is on the wall for this instead of what she's used to, which is her phone number scribbled on dive bar bathroom walls. Um, so that's great for her. Their sales went through the roof. Um, this is probably going to be the greatest sales year for them. And like you said, he praised President Trump in the Rose Garden. He said that the United States is lucky to have a leader like President Trump. And it sounds like this guy has an excellent marketing scheme because just when we're about to enter Christmas and people are going to have to start buying up food to serve their family members because they are ignoring their commie governor's orders, they're going to need to be buying some of this stuff. So get out there and go buy Goya. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to be, though, uh, Goya Foods Christmas at Zoe's house, though, because not enough salt. You know, you know, Zoe, they make these little things called a shaker. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, you know, you I, can I'll try give that it. A shot. Yes. And I you are a drummer, it. so I have a feeling you could get that rhythm down right away, and that and the Goya Foods would taste just perfect for you. It's just a now thought. Now you're talking. Just, uh, it's sold. All right. They're, <laughs> their profit margin That's just right. increased some. There you go. There you go. And since y'all are both in California and you can't go out to eat anyway, <laughs> you might want to consider some more Goya foods. Just saying. But right, no, right. Um, I, 
That's exactly right. Well, I appreciate you both uh, being here on the show tonight so much. And, uh, I, I, you know, we're just going to have to continue to watch and see what happens in California because it is the craziest of crazy around there for sure. And I know you guys are uh, watching all this and keeping us monitored on this. And I, I always appreciate that. appreciate both of you being on the show tonight as well. Thank, Thank you, Gina. All right. All right. Well, you know, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times today. Everybody is moving to either Florida, Texas. I've heard Idaho. I've heard everywhere. And uh, because people want to be in free states, they don't want to stay in California. They don't want to stay. I mean, even states like Pennsylvania and states like Virginia, I heard from friends today and they said they've got a beautiful farm in Virginia. And they said, you know what? We're selling the farm and we're moving to Florida. It's happening over and over again. And uh, so I'm telling you, some of these some of these states that have really come down hard and used COVID as an excuse to control their people are going to have to reconsider what they're doing. And uh, I think that politicians better start listening to people and better start watching their constitutions because I think that's exactly where we're headed. And, uh, and so, I, you know, the more I think about the way that things are going in politics, um, the more I think that uh, they're going to have to start listening to people again. And you're making that really clear every single night. And that's why we want to thank you for joining us every single night. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you, everyone here. Your new home for real news, real America's voice, uncensored, undaunted. And we'll be with you every night. Hug your, ch hug your children. Love your God. Go boldly now and live the truth.